Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Have you heard that theory that trees are actually farming us, feeding us oxygen until we eventually die and they can eat us when we decompose? Good thing we're all the way up here in the Sky Machine. Taran pulled hard on the lever, sending the bolt soaring through the branches to sink its point into the thick red bark, the rope firm between it and the wagon. When I shot another out of the back of the wagon, forming a cradle of support between the massive trees. In the dappled light that filtered down from the canopy, Taran could just make out the distance. Some 400 feet, she called to the others. It'll make it, but just barely. Sola sighed and slapped the reins. Come on, you big brute. The wagon groaned as the yoke was pulled forward by the black beetle lashed to its front. It lifted one carapace leg after another, stomping right up to the edge of the branch. It opened its armor-like elytra and extended its wings. The tack pulled taut between the beast and its cargo and the whole mass lurched off over the deep abyss between the trees. A slap rang out throughout the silence as the ropes pulled taut, stretched and held in the ancient wood. The sound of Sola's reins mixed with the rhythmic thrumming of massive wings and the groans of the wagon, while Wenna cackled from the back. They edged across the gap, Sola offering supportive words to the beetle while Taran's eyes studied the gathering darkness. Their sap lanterns shed a small halo of green light, flickering gently with the swaying of the wagon. Ragged breaths wheezed out of the beetle as it clawed its way through the air, wings beating hard. The beetle gave a hacking cough, a pitched whine, and then faltered. The short fall before its wings started again was enough for the full weight to drag on the ropes. The snap from the front rope sent a twinge down Taran's spine as the wagon swung back towards the tree. Sola screamed, Up, stupid animal, up! Taran fumbled another reel from her satchel. She snapped it into the mounted crossbow and, cursing, pulled back the string. The bolt snapped its way toward the tree, but when it hit it issued a sickening squelch. The wagon jolted to a stop, its passengers jostled and barely holding on, with all eyes toward the far-off oak. The section of bark that the bolt had found purchase in was coated in thick moss and had begun to tremble. Huge sheets of it began to slide away from the trunk, but not to fall. They lifted, twisted and craned around towards the wagon, swinging freely over the abyss. The moss-covered carapace of this insect vibrated with the deep screech it let loose in the silence, its eyes glowing golden beneath twitching feelers. Titan! 
Taryn screamed over Wenner's laughter. Swiftly, she cut the front cord and the wagon plunged once more. She fumbled in her bag for a new reel but found only rations as the wind screamed in her ears. Here comes the splat! Wenner cackled as the wagon flew toward the red bark. Toss me your spare, you old hag! Wenner stopped laughing long enough to slide the reel over the roof of the cart and Taryn loaded it in a practiced motion. She aimed far off to their right and, grunting, pulled the trigger. The bolt struck and the beetle whined again as they rocked from the impact. The crack of branches thick as houses preceded the titan as it wend its way towards them. With glowing eyes just feet away, it issued a screeching roar. The beast pulled itself closer by its massive foreclaws while the wagon crawled feet at a time. Sola was slapping a crop against the beetle's shell, reins in one hand. With another scream, the titan leapt towards them. Enormous branches gave way beneath its massive form, spiked legs spread wide. There was a flash of light and a bang that shook the branches. The titan jolted as if it had hit a wall in midair. A hole opened in its face and ooze sprayed from the back of its head into the depths of the forest. It fell inches from Wenna. She almost reached out a hand to touch it, but Taryn pulled her back by her shawl. By Chaffinch, what was that? Taryn asked. Sola pointed up and to their right. Ask them. A trail of smoke curled from the front of a grey vehicle brindling with spikes, high above them on a branch. As they watched, four more rolled out onto other ledges, encircling them. Each had one of these strange cylinders built into the front of the angular cart, glowing with a violet fire. Taryn and her crew pulled the wagon onto a shelf of fungus, the beetle wheezing heavily, and cut the back rope free. Taryn reached for a crossbow, but when it hissed. Not with these folk, girly. Not if you want to end up like that old bug down there. So what do we do, old hag? Are they like to shoot us if we leave? Taryn felt odd with Wenna calmer than herself. Movement. Sola pointed towards one of the grey carts. A hatch had been flung open and a figure moved with ease out into the moss-coated branch. In a smooth motion, they leapt out into the open air. They fell for a moment, down towards the wagon, then thrust their arms open wide. Cloth unfolded in the wind with a snap and they began to glide, circling slowly towards them. Two more followed from other carts, each dressed in these loose cloaks that could ride the wind. The three slid to the ground in formation a dozen feet away. They wore helmets of twisted bark, like sickly crowns, and their folded cloaks made them look like withered trees. Taryn looked to her two companions. Sola smiled meekly, but Wenna had her eyes locked on the lead figure. Taryn leapt down onto the branch to meet the strangers. That's plenty close and no closer. She could feel the pulse in the palms of her hands. We're not here to make trouble. The figure in the centre raised a hand and the other two stopped. As they did, the cloak drew back to reveal a scabbard at their hip. It glowed with a faint violet light. Nor are we, if it can be avoided. This leader's voice was high but stern, like a mother's. You're traders. Where have you brought your cargo from? Taryn glanced back to the closed wagon. Sola had moved from the front to on top, crouching in wait. We're from Hartwood, making the long trek out to Delta Larch. She kept her own voice even to match the strangers. Never seen wood like that. You must be from far off. Yes, we've travelled quite a way for this. 
What do the good people of Delta Large need so desperately that they couldn't trade it somewhere closer? The figure began to move closer, while their two companions fanned out to either side. Taryn put a hand to the hilt of her own blade, a dagger only a quarter as long as the stranger's. Now what did I say about distance? Sola slipped in beside Taryn, her wooden spear unslung. Where I'm from, it's considered impolite to ignore a question. Their own hand was at their hip now, and the calm of their voice faltered. They took another step. Taryn pulled her dagger, holding the green sap blade out before her like a shield. Nothing in this cut interests the Greybox. Wenna sounded almost angry, spit flying with the final words. The stranger stopped again, cocking their head. Well, I never. That's a voice I haven't heard in a long time. Wenna leant forward over the railing of the wagon. And yours is a voice I'd hope not to encounter again, Captain. The figure barked a laugh and pulled the gnarled helmet from their head. A long red braid fell to their side, hair pulled back to show a burn down their left cheek. It's general now, Aldwena. Taryn looked from the old woman on her cart, face sullen, to the smirking warrior with the longsword. She took an unconscious step back toward the cart. Greybark pomp doesn't impress me, young one. Take your butchers and go. One cart, old crone, no one needs to get hurt. We can't. Sola raised her spear. Their tree is sick, we- Quiet, child, Wenna spat. There's only one cure for that. The general raised their hand again and the two others moved forward. Sola stepped between one and the wagon, spear outstretched. The cloaked figure placed a hand on the hilt of his sword and the two locked eyes. Feeling the thrum of her heartbeat, Sola lunged. In a fluid arc, the man slashed his violet sword clean through Sola's spear and into her shoulder. She stumbled back, the haft clattering to the ground. No! Taryn leapt toward him, but the general rammed the pummel of their sword into her gut. Winded, she dropped to the ground. The general stepped over her body to where Sola was slumped against the cart, clutching her wound. Blood soaked her tunic and ran down her forearm. That wound will fester unless it's cleaned. You won't last the night. I suggest you tend to it instead of wasting your time with us. Wenna slammed her staff into the roof of the wagon, the resounding boom echoing out into the darkness. She swung it out into the empty air between her and the general, held loosely in her gnarled fingers. Grandmother, don't be foolish. The general smirked and slid the longsword from their belt. Extended in their powerful arm, the crystallized sap of the blade spread a violet halo around them. Stand back before I run you through like your friend. Never! Take it. Taryn had climbed to her knees, her eyes wide and watery. Just take the damn thing. The general looked from Wenna, eyes burning with rage, to the weeping Taryn. Now there's a clever girl. The taller guard shoved Sola out of the way to open the cart door. Wenna only watched as she pulled out bundled rags and sacks of moss, tossing them with little regard. The guard barked a laugh and hefted out a large sphere, a barrel-sized seed pod bound with vines that sloshed as she dropped it before the general. They jammed their sword under the lid and pried it off with a pop. Within, thick liquid gave a faint green glow as it shifted. Gently bobbing at its centre was a spiralled red plant with needle leaves. They smirked, jabbing a toe into the seed pod. Your compliance will be remembered. The people of Hartwood have done a great service to... 
Karen's hand trembled on the hilt of the dagger, its point deep in the general's lower back. The general stumbled forward, the dagger slipping from Taryn's hand, then turned in a flash of violet that caught her across the chest. As Taryn fell to the ground, the wounded warrior let out a roar and plunged the purple sword into the ground. The bark where the blade touched began to shrivel and blacken. Stupidity! Their face was red. Sheer idiocy! Sola crawled to Taryn's side, biting back silent sobs. Wena dropped her staff and made a move towards her wounded friend, but the general pointed a finger that stopped her in her place. That's enough! They drew the sword back out of the branch, its sap blade glowing brighter, and waved it out towards the old woman. You will live to tend to their wounds. The shorter guard let out a whistling bird call and a long vine was lowered from the grey carts high above. He slung the seed pod over his shoulder and tied himself to the vine. Two more vines fell from other carts and the taller guard tied herself to one. The general sheathed their sword with a sigh. This didn't have to end so viciously, Aldwana. Every precept was followed. Your lack of compliance required discipline. The old woman spat yellow mucus. Piss your precepts! Very well. They tied themselves to a vine and echoed the bird song. The three began to lift back up through the branches. Luck of the bark, they said. May the sap flow, when a spat in reply. So I think the way that this is going to work, coming back to a world, mm-hmm. is each of us will try to bring two new things to add. Um, Brilliant. Or, or at least, like, concepts or questions, mm-hmm. um, like, how does this work? How does that work? Mm-hmm. Um, what's funny is that I had so many ideas. Brilliant. I have none. No. Well, <laughs> let me get there. I had so many ideas when I was, like, we were going to record this a while ago. And the night before I stayed up, I was like falling asleep and I was like, no, I have ideas. And I wrote them down and I was super excited. And then on my way here to record, I did re-listen to the podcast and I had already said them. <laughs> said all of them. Turns okay. out my genius just can't be beat. <laughs> but I think I can expand on them. So okay. if you don't have That's anything. Cool. I mean, I have ideas that we spoke on that I like that I'm, I'd like to uh, work and on expand. a bit yeah, more. That's, that's what's important. I think... Uh, chapter twos will be a lot of like pinning things down as well yeah yeah definitely so for starters i'm gonna throw this out there i have named one of the cities we were talking about it earlier oh, wonderful. one of the settlements yeah i was talking about we talked about in the previous episode the like advanced okay there was the advanced settlement which is like the vertical one and then there was the industrial society so the industrial society is called the Greybark or Greybark clan um okay because i was uh going to I was nervous when you started saying that because um, in the very first episode, um, I did you come named, up. Yeah. I named the big. There was, it was fancier. Hartwood. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. So Hartwood is the name of the of the well, kind one of, of them. We didn't say which. But is or is you the can name, say it now? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So Hart, Hartwood's like the name of that um, big, beautiful um, civilization that's carved into the tree yeah. that I imagine with lots of white woods. Yes. Yes. Very 
elven, yeah, but last episode we referred to it, we referred to it as the advanced society. We have the advanced society, mm-hmm. the pastoral society, and the Venetian one. And the, yeah, the Venetian rickety society, mm-hmm. um, the cobbled together society. I think Cobble, we cobbled's it. a nice word. Yep. So, I have a couple ideas. If you're happy to listen to them, fire away. So I have. Um, a couple questions, and I think this is where you'll come in about how the magic system works, because I think I want to tie down mm-hmm. this world's yes. magic system because it's I really a fantasy lo- world. And it's very important. I love the concept of this. So. Yes. So I think the way that it works is, um, it is green magic essentially. Um, it comes from the like life of the trees. So we mm-hmm. talked about that the trees pull magic from the world. Yeah. Um, and I call it green magic because that's the color of the sap. It is mm-hmm. this like bright green and when you light it on fire it becomes the green flame mm-hmm. um i sorry mm-hmm. i i also think of like because i know in witchcraft there are like uh different types of witches and a green witch specifically works with trees and everything and yeah. stuff like that so that's what came to mind when you said that but well that, that's what i was thinking like i think we mentioned last time that it's it uses like different parts of the tree it has like different fruits that you can mm. make into poultices and stuff like that it's it's exactly the yeah it's it's witchcraft yeah. essentially i love the stuff with sap yeah I don't know. the I just sap love stuff that. is really i think it's mostly sap mm, i think it's, yeah. it's very cool okay. <laughs> i just love that imagery yeah. so i had i had a rule because mm-hmm. i think rules are good for magic systems it's yes. like there are rules you can't break and mm-hmm. the the constraints help you make yes as definitely. opposed to just like what can you do with magic anything it's like well what? now i have too many options why yeah. would i just make a gun that kills you limitations like, are fun there's a really good video I'd have to find it about why Avada Kedavra is the worst spell in Harry Potter because mm-hmm. it ruins all the fun. Okay, well, if we find it, yeah, you know where I, to find yeah, it. Yeah, I'll put it on the podcast. Um, on the, on the <laughs> thing. Um, it's just Words. essentially saying there's a cool fight between Voldemort and Dumbledore where they're making animated statues and throwing water at each other and stuff. And it's the whole time it's like, why aren't you just using the gun spell on him <laughs> to kill him instantly? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there's a scene... Anyway. Uh, you'll get it okay so the rule that i thought of is you cannot do anything green magic can be used for um support Mm -hmm. um and uh sort of like wishes kind of yeah like that 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 sort of like goodly stuff so you can't do anything with green magic that would harm the world or take away from the ecosystem oh i like that that's a nice limitation so you can't it is essentially um, in a similar vein to in um, the Adventure Zone Amnesty, how when Aubrey casts her spells, it isn't the spell isn't coming from her. It is the world accommodating her wish. Yeah. In a way, that's sort of what it is. That's nice. Um, there's a little bit of it's not quite that because you can also make like the green flame and shoot the flame out, mm. but the flame doesn't burn the trees. See, I I, I like this. It makes a lot of sense because because the magic itself is coming from the world, so yes. the world would not do anything to harm itself. I think specifically it's the forest as well. Yeah. Like if you go outside prob- of the great forest, you imagine doesn't prob- work. Yeah. Okay. That's that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. It, I think it'd be interesting then to have a story of travelers from this forest yeah. going to leave on a big quest, and suddenly any magic they've learned yeah. has stopped working. Absolutely. Or or even perhaps a magic like someone coming into the forest and then suddenly gaining these. Yeah, finding abilities. out that they have some association. Mm-hmm. So another. So you have rules and exceptions, right? In magic, mm-hmm. um, the exception that I I wanted to talk about is um, with Greybark. Um, mm-hmm. So Greybark is a place. Uh, the Greybark clan lives at Greybark. Greybark is a corrupted tree. I was talking about it before. Mm-hmm. And it is violet magic, which is sort of an opposing colour to green in a nice contrasting yeah, the, way. It's, it's, uh, this feels like the kind of world where you'd have 
color theory. Col- yeah, yeah I, th- I think it's just perfect. I think I talked about it being red in the first um, mm-hmm. episode. But I think purple works better because red is still a pretty natural color. Yeah. Purple is the it's, rarest color yeah, to find absolutely. in nature. So I think that is, that it's, is it's a perfect. nice... Um, so imagine the gray bark tree as one of these normal trees, but the, the bark itself is this shard-like metallic, um, almost like has like crystalline structures like um, bismuth sort of growing off oh, of nice. it. Oh, nice. Um, and they have built into it like, because uh, you don't have access to metal, so they've mm. had to use, you can forge the bark. It, yeah. it's, it's called gray bark, but it is essentially this metal. Um, and inside you can see like living fire, like purple or violet fire of the veins, so the, the phloem and xylem of the tree, like moving up and down. Um, and they've like, they have these forges where they're like smelting down the bark and making weapons oh, that's and really things cool. like that. It, it's, it's a huge, um, uh, pretty horrible society. Um, and the tree is not well, it, it, it corrupts the yeah, landscape like, around it. This was a normal tree once and it was just corrupted. Yeah, they've done something this. awful to it. I also have a theory for corrupted dryads. Oh, fun. So they like to, I think they capture dryads mm-hmm. and they force them into the tree. They force them to tree stride. Mm-hmm. And when they come out, mm-hmm. they are violet dryads. They are Ooh. like nasty, mindless beasts. Viads. Yeah, they're viads. <laughs> That's what people call them. Oh, so, you sounded so disappointed. No, why would I? <laughs> so that's my big thing. Um, uh, Greybark Palace is the the idea of like the, the huge metallic jagged, like um, the Fortress of Solitude, Superman's Fortress of Solitude, but made of metal oh, with cool. these like purple uh, flaming torches everywhere, and the people are very like dour and like Fire Nation from very Avatar. Drow. Yeah, big big drow vibes. Big drow vibes. Yeah. Um but it's not actually metal, it's like a natural equivalent. It's like yeah. kind of like an ore. Yeah. I, of... I suppose it, it is a it is a hard natural material created by magical alchemy. Yeah. So Oh uh, yeah, I think that's, yeah. that's it's it's like um It's, it's probably like the a, tree's defense mechanism. It seems like a twisted version of uh, petrification like a petrified yes, tree absolutely but absolutely. like they've leached magic into that process and yeah it's... i'm sure it's, it's probably something like the tree can make these um if the tree is under extreme duress it can make shards mm. of um uh this material but they've just taken that to the next level they saw yeah. that and went how can we abuse this nice and it turned the whole tree sick um, yeah. Okay. Well, I could I could imagine that then um, slightly changing the subject of of like say when a city um, or a civilization starts to carve too deep into the bark and and a tree might um, let out this defense mechanism and suddenly their structures can't dig in anymore and yes. this city just starts to collapse. Yes. Like um, yeah, like the, yeah, digging too deep. Like how we talked about the the tree defending itself and, and sheets of it falling away and stuff. Mm. This is another defense mechanism it has nice. to stop people from hurting it. Yeah, yeah, That's totally. Very cool. Cool, I, cool. I like that. I like the abuse of a defense mechanism as a good theme in this world mm. of um, messing with nature and nature yeah. fighting back, and then they've used nature's anger. Yeah. For their benefit. It, but it, it's not sustainable. It feels like we're uh, in this world really exploring, yeah, that balance of of um of civilization and nature, but it's not as black and white as yeah. I think um uh sometimes other people like, as as you feel instinctually you would approach that topic when given it. Absolutely. It's a lot well, more twisted. Yeah, black and white is very uninteresting. Um I think 
what's going to be very interesting about the um the Greybark clan is my hope is that you know I haven't we haven't finished hmm. this story yet yeah but um it's going to be the Greybarks are sort of the adversary to yeah. the protagonist mm-hmm. in this story. My hope is that next time we come back to Big Trees, we go from the Greybark perspective. Yeah, I because I, I'm I'm really really interested to learn about why they started doing this, yep. who they are, and everything. Yep. But I think that's um, something left explored in another. It'll episode. be definitely interesting. I I doubt that they're like perfect altruistic good people because that's also uninteresting to just take your evil people and be like. Oh no, they're good mm. and totally understandable. 100%. And yeah. um, good people usually don't corrupt giant like exactly. Th- this is um, there the has forest... to be something wrong, surely. I mean, this forest is clearly a force for good in some yeah. way. Like it's a giant That's, forest. That is an interesting question. Like because we talked about the the dryads being mm. defenders of nature. Mm. If if people tread on nature, the dryads mm. will kill them. Yeah. Essentially, so is the forest a force of good or is it a forest? The forest a force of self preservation? That's um, true. People live on it, but are they allowed to live? Are mm. they welcomed? Uh, yeah, I suppose it's a, it's it's all down to a matter of perspective. Cause that's in, true. In terms of the planet itself, the forest is likely a force for good. Yeah. Um, just the, in terms. I, of, I mean, the for, although yeah. the forest could be leeching the the magic out of the core of the planet that's and true. killing. I, I've I've thought about what about the the ground folk and the outsiders of the forest. What if the rest of it is dead is, because all the magic well, has been taken by this these is trees. Some, you know what why do we explore something like this well, now yep i uh, because i you know i had always seen this forest as a beautiful and picturesque uh place They're like something like very beautiful and fantasy but i just remembered in that first episode we established that these trees were an introduced species yes and though they so there was the world existed before them yeah um and I think we mentioned as well that this mightn't have been an easy introduction, an yep. easy transition. I, I talked about how um, my one of the big inspirations for me on this mm. is Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, which we still haven't watched, where there's the toxic jungle and it mm. spreads across the, the world. The toxic jungle, when you're in there, it's the, the, the sort of conflict that the character um, has, that Nausicaa has, Nausicaa has, is that the jungle is beautiful. Mm. It's amazing to be in. It's peaceful as long as you're not aggressive in it. Yeah. I think it's a similar, little different mm. um, uh, uh, conflict that that we're dealing with. Yeah. Whether or not the forest is good. Mm. Very cool. I did want to talk about um, ground folk. Okay. I, I wanted to make another settlement that is people who just live on the ground. Mm-hmm. These um, There's an episode of Avatar where they meet waterbenders who live in the swamp and they mm. bend the water in the in the vines very cool it's and they're all like floridian hip like uh, uh rednecks mm-hmm. essentially they're like hey whoa hugh uh, what are you doing over there you think everything tastes like swamp chicken <laughs> they're amazing um they all wear like leaf hats oh and amazing. have big, big t- butt tummies or are really tall and skinny and mm-hmm. they're all awkward looking but i imagine that's what these ground folk are like because it's dark mm. it is like i i have this oh, yeah. vision of of someone wearing um like a mask and a and a, a like a, a fur cloak to make them look like an animal oh, because awesome. they need to look beastly to stay alive they're all strong and i mean i i imagine the people in up in the trees don't even know there are people on the bottom floor. Absolutely i mean not. i think the whole the whole um starting point on this of this idea is that when you live um 
in these trees you, do, you, you never no you don't you don't yeah. see the top you don't see the bottom uh, i reckon a lot of people would believe that they're there just is endless. no bottom yeah so if, if they did i think the the sort of middle to lower mm. area societies would have stories of like demons on the ground oh yeah you know or, or, or spirits or whatever you call them mm. um of these creatures that move through the underbrush but they're just you know people um that need to be this way to survive because i think down there it's Oh, yeah. Horrible. Yes, definitely. I mean, do we? Uh, do you think these people have uh, are just people who have always lived on the bottom floor? Because I, I doubt people who wander in from the outside world would survive in the bottom of the forest. Well, that's. I think that that's an inter- that's a question for the whole society. Like, have have these people been here? Were they here, and then the forest came and they just stayed? Was the forest there and they came in? Mm. Um, that's true of everyone in, in, in all parts of the society. I, I like the idea that this forest just started to grow and over generations and generations, the people that were kind of living there yeah. just stayed and slowly adapted because I, I don't think these trees shot up overnight. I think it was just a natural and gradual Even growth. if it was two so, generations. Certainly you know. it'd be accelerated yeah but no, look, um, yeah faster than a than a forest normally grows oh, but yeah. not like yeah i, I think but i think you know a generation a or two is enough time mm. to get to like not quite living mm. in the trees and having carved yeah. societies and stuff like that but but definitely i keep saying stuff like that take a shot every time i say and stuff like that yeah i didn't realize how much i say it but listening back it's like oh my gosh <laughs> um if you can hear revelry in the background as well just just party along with the people next door <laughs> yeah yeah the house next to mine um is like an airbnb so oh, oh right of course so they're just it's all the time yeah yeah it is that's cool don't worry i have good earplugs <laughs> it makes a difference um yeah okay so i think these people have definitely always been here yeah because i i don't think someone would wander in from the outside world and go this is nice no i think the people in this in this well, it depends where you're from. Mm. I think a lot of the people living in the forest are quite tough, quite good at surviving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to be, or at least they survive. They know how to survive in this environment, and it's a very different environment than any other to survive in. It's completely different. Mm-hmm. A lot yeah. of verticality. Yeah. You know? Okay. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have these ground people. They probably live in... I love the idea of them living in a big skeleton. Oh, with... that's... Dope. Like, maybe like a tree growing through it or something. Awesome. You yeah. just showed me that video. Yeah. I would we, try and so find it. Good, um, of a, a bit of a live stream of some I think people. It's called ex- Nautilus Live is, is the thing. Mm-hmm. Of people exploring the bottom of the ocean and finding the skeleton of a whale. Mm, right. I'm sorry for that beeping in the background. Um, I believe it's a live stream of um, people exploring the bottom of the ocean and finding the giant skeleton of a whale that's slowly being eaten by worms and octopi. And it's just so, so cool. It's so cool. Oh, it's so cool. Ugh. I was just watching a... Oh, look, we're just dropping all, just of, all the things. Just go for it. I was watching a video of... Um, I've just been watching the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild lore videos because mm-hmm. the lore is very vague. Oh, I love um, lore videos. Yeah, I mean, it's so good. I got really into... I don't know anything about the game Destiny. We've talked about this before, but I just love the lore. I've watched a lot of lore videos about the game Destiny. I have no intention of playing it. Oh, yeah, no, I'm the same with lots of stuff. But I know all about the, <laughs> the lore. Um, but Breath of the Wild, they have these three leviathans and mm-hmm. there's a quest for you to go and take photos of them and mm-hmm. show them to these three scientists that are actually just brothers um, who have a, an argument. Um 
but the leviathans are basically they're just massive whale skeletons continue um massive whale skeletons that dot the landscape but there are also like hundreds of other skeletons throughout mm. the world so this video is about like if these are the leviathans what are these other skeletons are they also leviathans why don't they want photos of these and it just went into deep deep awesome. lore about like what these skeletons are and the different types of skeletons like these ones are obviously fish skeletons whereas these are like smaller side note mm-hmm. definitely should call the big monsters on the ground leviathans yeah absolutely that's that's cool because i don't think demons quite fits it's not really a religious vibey mm. place but leviathan sounds like i mean leviathan big. is also a religious vibey thing <laughs> leviathan and behemoth are both i have biblical. completely dissociated yeah it's that not as much from... as, as as demon and devil and stuff leviathan reminds me of supernatural and subnautica so <laughs> oh my god subnautica and that's another game that i've never played but i'm so scared of the ocean mm-hmm. uh, oh that's another thing that we wanted to talk about is that is oceans oceans um yeah no i i love that that image of of a big petrified tree mm. or trees that have um that have branches that are hollowed out like the inside of a massive boat and that have just collected rainwater and turned into lakes and oceans um so we've got the leviathans is mm. that what we want to call the people who live down as well do they Ooh. go by that name the name of the ancient beasts or like the people who live in leviathan leviathan is the town that oh. is inside a leviathan body I'll, um, they could be the behemoths who live at Leviathan. I, I like calling the place Leviathan. Yeah, I think that sounds cool. It's very cool. Yeah. And now we've got this other ocean mm-hmm. in the Baobab thing. Baobab is a big, big stumpy tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yes, I think we talked about there was like, there were docks mm. leading out into the, into the, the water in this place. Um, I imagine... Hey, why not sea monsters in there? That's oh, cool. That's cool. That's cool. Like, like, can you just imagine like insects and stuff that have evolved? I was to gonna swim? say insects. Yeah, swimming cent- like a big centipede, big oh, wet centipede. Ew! Oh god! And it's no, it's this huge like the lake that. beast that ah. swims through because they're like a fishing society. See, I thought like cricket. Like some kind of cricket. A sea cricket? That's sea- also cool. I don't know. Like, I think they've evolved to be like very. Like yeah, monsters like Loch Ness monster, but insectoid somehow yeah. that have. Oh, and they they like use because I in the story they have their wagon is pulled by a big rhinoceros beetle, mm. um, and I like beetles pulling things in this yeah. world. I think it works That's perfectly. Cool. It's so cute. I think like having uh, water beetles, mm. uh, like like skimmers, or whatever they're called, the the water beetles that you find mm. pulling their little like fast little oh, canoes nice. that I they've like made. That. Oh, this is a nice little society. This is nice. Yeah, so are there, like, little people that live in boats? On yes, these? for sure. They've got, like, a barge that floats around and stuff. Oh, Although there's, there's parts of the, the ocean there that you can't mm. go to, of course, because of the things that live there. It's a, I think it's a complex ecosystem as mm. well. Like, the edges probably have something equivalent to coral, I want to say. Like, coral-like that like occupies a, the Like a mushroom. Like, yes, a, 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 a like fungus, a, mus- a, a fungus that's fungus. adapted to Oh, that's so cool. And it's 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 also colourful, probably. Oh, beautiful. Um, and it's maybe bioluminescent. And then it gets oh, deeper. Nice. There's, like, a ledge where it drops off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's where you get all the nasty, horrible stuff down that's there. Cool. What what if I could, I could imagine 
when people have carved out these branches to become rivers and yeah. ponds and stuff like that, and what if the these trees are massive and magical, and what if they've just grown to adapt to that? So what if even some of these, um, these ponds uh, flow into their xylem tubes, and you can actually yes. swim if you swim down deep oh enough, you can go into the veins of okay, the tree so and come out tree, in other spots. It's not dead. No. I think this this main tree that we're talking about mm. where this society lives, it is alive. So imagine um, the circular disc or the roughly circular disc of an ocean and then around the edges curve out the branches that reach upwards and out. So oh, there's this like yes. halo of branches. The sunlight still filters down from the top and hits the, the, the villages on it's... one side and like a, another little... This is so cool. I think um, this would be one of the few places in the forest that sunlight reaches down like into the depths a little bit yeah. in one of the few societies that have seen sunlight oh, at the very so least because cool. uh, the, the the vibe of like the coral and everything it's like a beach society yeah um but not because it's not? a tree because <laughs> it's a tree oh that's so cool okay let, do you want to give it a name oh i'd Some love sort to of... give it a name let me think um when i come up with names for places or things i usually like to have them backed in something like i came up with harwood because that's a name of a kind of tree yep. and i just like having um uh, having a bit of re- reality rooted into those ideas because i think it grounds it a bit more makes it yeah, feel it gives more it verisimilitude um matt colville always uses um real world historical names in his fantasy worlds mm. because Someone already, dying. someone already did all of the world building for you. You know, you already have names out there. Yeah, we don't right. Need, we don't need Thranduils and Filgrors when no. we've got, you know, cool Arabic names and cool yeah, right. ancient Chinese names and stuff. And then also just like scientific names, which always sound cool because Latin is a Ooh. cool coded language. Delta is a cool word. Delta. I yeah. come up with something from Delta. Mm-hmm. Because it is sort of a. Sort that, of a delta as the water flows. Oh my god! Out. It looks like a, it looks like because a delta looks like that. Yeah. I'll put a picture up there, and it looks like that, but from the side. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's, it is a it is a delta cool. as it as um, it flows. So it's so large that it has its own like micro microclimate. Like, oh It's like yeah. a valley essentially. Yeah. So like my my hometown is in a valley, and it's got its own microclimate. Mm. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that it, it rains and it catches itself because the walls are so high yeah, yeah, yeah. that um things can't get in and out i imagine it's really hard for them to trade um yeah uh, unless they like swim down these tunnels or whatever mm. they've got cool systems like that or they've carved open big holes and i feel like i i'm even getting the impression this uh tree i think this tree has learned that sunlight is very valuable yeah and that makes it a target yeah for letting light in so maybe it's even like um grown extra foliage to kind of keep this light in so it's kind of yeah i don't know it's sort of like a stadium yeah you know in that in that shape Mm. and i think it's um because there are trees that make a canopy by crossing over and then there is those trees that sort of almost touch Mm. You know, they just, they separate by like yeah, a, yeah. like a finger mm. and they make that really cool pattern between them. This is one of the trees that I, by the nature of its roots or something mm. tells other trees to stay away. Yeah. And so it opens the canopy. The canopy sort of just like moves down mm. and uh, allows yeah. That's um, nice. the space for the sunlight to filter through, which I think is rare. I think it is a rare tree. Yeah. Um, mm. It's a, a valued tree. Maybe these people are 
not warlike, but are skilled fighters to defend their home because their home is a valuable place. They have like, you know, I mean, their landscape that they that they live in mm. is completely unique. Yeah. Um. No one knows how to fight in the water. They no. are they are the only o- ocean masters mm. of of this world. And I guess there are other smaller places around that have water. But we're talking about the the um the sort of representative of ocean people in yeah, the yeah. forest, right? Mm. That's I, that's sort of when we make these towns. They are the icon. Yeah. Of people who live in the of, of, in an ocean in a forest. Mm. Um. So you know they are like sea combatants. They're you know, spears and nets and, oh, like, that awesome. classic image. Yeah, totally. That's cool. Okay. I have one more idea that I wouldn't mind exploring. Please. Um, I And it's another idea for a civilization. Um, I think that's what this is. Yeah. It's, this. Yeah. Uh, the first one was building the world itself. Now we're in civilizations. Yep, we just... We'll probably zoom in again next time. Absolutely. We'll talk, talk about people. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like the idea um, of a civilization that's built on the inside of a hollow of a tree. You know, those yeah. ones where, like, squirrels and birds like make their and, homes yeah, and, yeah. and stuff like that. That's like, so built cute. up onto the onto the walls of it. I don't know how you would make it unique. I'm, impi- I'm picturing it really very, very homely and warm. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think the, we the can think of I, something... Yeah, the vibe I get from that is kind of... Being something about being close to the center of a tree, mm. either they've invaded the tree and the tree doesn't like it, or the tree loves it. Maybe they That's, are the yeah, yeah. It, it, they are at peace with this tree. They're like a druidic enclave, or like my first thought was like I was like oh gnomes and tinkerers, mm. but sort of like artifact makers. Like they make the staves mm. or staves, whatever the word is. Like they. They grow the tree out into that's these nice. weapons. Oh, they make sap cool. blades. I had this uh, in uh, the the story. It's it's um, hardened sap yeah. is mentioned, and I think hardened sap is probably something that is really difficult to create. Yeah. Uh, well, you can probably yeah. make it badly, mm. but you have to like grow it out. So um, in Acquisitions Incorporated, the C team, um, uh, they have. Um, uh, the Nemesia trees um, can make, they're like these black trees that are like really powerful. They can make green glass. Mm. Um, and so the one of the characters has a green glass blade uh, made from a Nemesia. I think it's um, called Foremother. Mm. Um, and I, I love that image of like a naturally grown, it's not a smithed. Um, this is sort of the opposite of where they're smithing the yeah, gray bark. Yeah. They are growing it out it takes like hundreds of years to make a blade i love this idea because it seems for all the other civilizations they're struggling so desperately to adapt and to survive in this world and these little group of people have figured it out it's not it you don't need to fight to survive to cling onto the edge of these trees and and like dig your nails in to try and hold on if you treat it kindly it will uh, respect you in return it'll look after you if you look after it and i i think there's going to be a cost i yeah. think they are not people it's uh, like the grotten in um yeah in the dark crystal mm. how they are you know the most peaceful the most in, in line with nature mm. ostensibly from our outside perspective but everyone else in the world sees them as filthy yeah um uh, stupid mm. waste of time yeah i think there is a cost whether it's a social cost or a literal cost these people are weaker they have they are uh they don't they can't eat mm. they, they don't have the food um i i i even think 
maybe this tree has defended them that they don't know how to defend themselves yep, too well. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and I feel like, yeah, I feel like this tree has almost taken these people under its, it's wing. It's adopted them. It's adopted them. It, they are its children. Yeah. They're my babies. Don't touch them. Oh, well, they're part of the tree, you know? You mm. can't take them out or the tree will die and they know that. Don't speak to me and my son ever again. <laughs> don't um, speak to me and my thousands of sons ever. <laughs> I don't know how many there are, but... Um, but... <laughs> Oh, I, just... I love these little guys. I imagine them as they're all these like bird human, sorry, oh bird people. I imagine That's cute cool. little like like with with wings for their arms and cute little red faces and tiny little beaks. Not all of them, but maybe maybe few. some. Maybe yeah, some, mixed society. some little finches. But they all have they all have like moss. Oh, and, nice. And uh, mm-hmm. you know mushrooms growing in them. Oh, cute. And they all will return to the tree. Yeah. They all will die mm-hmm. and become part of the tree. The tree will absorb them mm-hmm. and become part of and its ecosystem. And feed them back to their families. Exactly, exactly. Soylent Green is people <laughs> and little mushroom people <laughs> are food for yep. tree. Uh, and, yep, but th- hey, that's just how it works. That's so I mean, cute. we're eating dead people all the time. Should we call this society Null? Like, and that's what the. I called. like that. I think Noel is good. I thought you were going to say, should I call this sunny dead people? <laughs> it's called dead people, right? <laughs> no, no, tangent. I'm not listening. <laughs> yeah, Noel, or like. <sighs> I, I like that. Or you took wood. Can't use wood. You, you put heartwood in, and now we can't have wood in any other I'm name. I'm sorry. <sighs> um... And I did bark. Mm-hmm. That's most of the tree that's words. That's like a lot of. We can't do root because they don't really know about them. Mm-hmm. Although Leviathan root, no, that's not very good. I think just Leviathan is good. Mm. Um, but null. Null is it's cute. A simple... It's cute. I think that they're also like scholars. Oh, that's nice. Like they have little libraries in there. Mm-hmm. I, that's that was my first thought as well. Yeah, it's this yeah. cozy. Uh, you know, they're tender, soft mm-hmm. people. They they grow the weapons. They mm. don't use them. Um, they. I guess they give them, or they trade them mm. when traders come. I love the idea of, oh my gosh, this is a cute image, of um, when, say, a family is expecting a baby, um, they go, well, in in 10 to 20 years, this person's going to need a house, so I'm going to sit start, here, yep. like, uh, once a week, and I'm going to talk to the tree mm. and say, can you start to please yes. build a, a house for my future Grow child out here, a little, please? A room. And, and, the, and, the, like, and it'll slowly build this little house for hey, this tree. person. Hey, tree, it's me, Kenneth. <laughs> I was thinking of getting a bigger deck. Um, the neighbours across <laughs> the road just got an expansion on their house, <laughs> and I really just need the space, so... If you could get snappy on that, I'll give you <laughs> even more of my mushrooms today. Because they, oh, obviously, oh, obviously you pull so... one out for the tree, right? Oh, of course. It's oh like they God. eat all their meals and it's like a tenth for the tree. I love these guys. This is so... They're so cute. I... This make, this sweet, beautiful, th- we've matched the tone of the world perfectly. And also, we're quite delirious. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. It's quite late and we're both very it? tired. Oh, it's God. ten. Ish. <laughs> this this is the perfect time. Delirious during world building is the best because you come yeah, up with the best we, idea. Why are we not running this podcast on so little sleep all the time? Oh, right, What's wrong with it's us? a nighttime podcast. It's from a now nighttime on. podcast. Actually, the first time I played Microscope was which we still need to play because mm-hmm. we still haven't. We'd have a great time. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll record it. Play Microscope. I don't know if it's good for recording. Anyway, the first time I played Microscope, I stayed up until like three, four. No, I was like, no, it was about four a.m. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it was three. I remember it now. Stayed up till three a.m. playing with my friends, and we were delirious by the time we started playing. Mm-hmm. So it was just perfect the whole time. Oh, amazing! It's not sustainable, 
But if you oh, can no. do it every so often, then you get amazing things like Noel and mm. all these little beautiful boys. 100%. Nice. And, and other genders. Oh, mm. So good. Okay, we've we've pooped out a bunch of societies. I really don't like that way of describing I couldn't think this. Of, I couldn't think of another word. Well, the... We've created a, a several societies that I'm very happy with that have... Um, interactions yeah you know yeah they have motivations they have differences they have like uh i can imagine a conversation between a person from Knoll and a person from do we want to go with delta i think uh deltara we could like fantasy it up that's too close to deltora touche um i feel like not straight delta some kind of play on it um um i think it'll come to us yep if, you know, if I think of one... We never want to force them. It will yeah, put it up. It, it needs to come naturally. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I'm pretty happy with that. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on before no, we finish I'm, this? No, I'm pretty happy. I think we've got some good ideas with this. Mm-hmm. Cool. We'll see you in the next section in <laughs> 10 see seconds. You in, see you after the little interstitial music. <laughs> okay, that's uncomfortable. I don't know why. Just really unsettling to you. Whatever that was. Welcome to the Sky Machine, a collective world-building podcast about dynamic, fantastical, and concise storytelling. Oh my god, knocked it out of the park. Trying to get a medal for that? Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) I'm glad you had it ready. I had no idea. (laughs) Welcome, friends. It's episode four. Uh, I am... No, it's four. Yes? That was a four and then a thumbs up. Sorry, there's a microphone in the way. (laughs) So I just see your hand (laughs) Uh, move. Uh, I'm Dylan, or Alice. Mm -hmm. I forgot my own names then. Um, because I was, I was going to be like Dylan or Alicia. Nope. Uh, two of our names have similar sounds in them and that's confusing. Alice and Alicia. And I'm joined by my co-host. Me. Um, I don't know. Sometimes it feels weird introducing myself because I never usually introduce myself with two names. I'm like Jasper online and then I'm like Alicia. This is what we decided had to be done. What if I do one, like one episode and a different one the next? That works. Okay, I'm just going to say Jasper today. Hello, Hell yeah. I'm Jasper, but you can Hi. still call me Alicia or I don't mind. It's just... Anyway. <laughs> um, we are occasionally going to stop for chip breaks because my mum just dropped off some chips. And so. we have a violent hunger for them. So. I what... keep reaching yeah, over to it's... grab one. And then... That's why mine is slightly <laughs> out of arm's reach. I've put mine in the... There's like a laziness threshold where I know that I'm too lazy to reach beyond that. I don't have one of those. <laughs> No, stop. There you go. Now it's literally out of arm's reach, so you'd have to put effort in if you wanted them. Also, you have way more chips than me. I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. This episode is us heading back into the world of big trees. Yes. Um, and the story took is real late because it's big, I think. Mm. It is, I mean, it's um, not as late as it was. Was it? I don't... I don't know. Time don't, is... Not real. The enemy. Mm-hmm. Um... That's the opening lines to the Acquisitions Incorporated, the C-Team theme song, Mm -hmm. and I can't help it. Anyway, um, yes, but I think it went well. I agree. We will see. Yes. Yes. Um, We had, like, slightly too late, we had some um, 
feedback from our lovely listener um, on our Discord. Oh, not feedback. Um, suggestions. Being like, oh, I have ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to check that out, it's on the you you Discord master. How do, how do people <laughs> look at that? Look at that. Um, well, it's just on the Discord. Under... Yeah, you can just go to the big trees. There are two different chats for big trees. Yes. There's the light bulb one and then yes. the normal chat. It's just in the normal chat. That's where yes. we discuss stuff based on that world. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can find that conversation there. Okay, yeah. And in the big trees chat, um, uh, the user by the name of Eggs at present. I think they just changed their name. Um, uh, has posted a short story that they wrote. It's so good. Inspired I by loved the big it. Well. It's amazing. I loved it so much. It's you're called, a very good writer. It's called Protector, and it's so good. And you're like totally nailed the yeah. tone of the world as well, which can be tough. Uh-huh. It's yeah, it's hard to like, do. I feel like um, even in the story that we wrote, the tone isn't well, mm. the, the, we've just done like, for this episode. It, the tone is not quite right, and that happens. It, it, it can be tough. Like yeah, mm. the Junker story was rewritten like three or four times. Yeah, so. absolutely. But it's important, and I, I think you nailed it. And what's what's great is that um, this story. I was reading it, and I was like, "Damn, this is exactly what we're writing." Like, <laughs> this is exactly this next story. Well, parts of it. Well, yeah. Um, S- uh, similar themes that we yep. have not previously discussed. We no, just kind of it just sort of they were going, happened, it was, which is good. I think it means it's logical conclusions to reach if more than one person con- reaches con- it. It's not weird out of patterns. the blue. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that was freaking heartwarming. That was, that was great. It, it felt good. Mm-hmm. Real good feelings. <laughs> um, Do we have? tips for yes. today or anything we'd like to discuss yes would you like to go first or shall i um i'm happy to go first just because i have my thing in mind at the moment it's not really a tip it's just a, a video that i like that is is handy i i really really want to do more voices for DD. when i'm wandering around the house i do like lots of voices and stuff like i recently learned how to do a mickey mouse voice and i'd love to do that in my world don't know where i'm going to put Mickey yeah, Mouse you, in there. You keep mentioning your Mickey Mouse voice, and I'm very excited to hear it. Someone's gonna. Uh, I'll have to give it an NPC a Mickey Mouse voice at some point. Look, you could do like a goblin or a gnome. I feel like a gnome would be perfect. A gnome? That is oh. true. Ha <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Welcome to my forest. I don't know. Uh, I, I, can, I can fit someone in there somewhere. Absolutely. What about Michael um, himself? Mm hmm. Michael the mouse. Michael? Mickey? <laughs> Oh God! Wait, what? <laughs> you never heard him referred to as Michael. No. <laughs> Are you talking about my cousin? The, no, the titular Michael. <laughs> Mr. Mouse. No, I understand. I just can't... middle name of the. This is really, really upsetting. Oh, sorry, I've shaken your whole world. Like I have like three Michaels in my family. It's an upsetting topic. Oh. But, um, oh no. But they're always shortened to Mikey. So I've never heard it shortened oh. to Mickey. Yeah, no, I, I, I there's a, my brother's friend was a, was a Michael who got, who got, um, Mick, mm. usually. Although Mick is also, actually, no, my childhood friend was more Mick, and the other one was Mike. Yeah. Anyway, it's okay. not relevant to world building. No, no. But it is relevant to Mickey Mouse, and when is he not relevant? Exactly. If Disney has their way. <laughs> Well, anyway, that was the tension. So the but video. Yes, I want to get better at voices. And one of the best videos I ever found about that was by Mark Sherlock Humes. And it's so, so good. It really does a good job of um, demonstrating that voices come from different sections of the throat. And mm. just, it's just real good. It yeah. really, it breaks it down, not up into specific characters, but into like archetypes. Like, yeah. um, 
like uh, doing more feminine voices and doing like um, really like tough grunt voices and yeah. doing crazy characters and old characters and stuff like that and the different places in your throat that are, that voice should sit and it's just really really good I highly recommend it I'm, I'll probably put it in both the discord for this episode and in just the general resources chat yeah because, because we started you put a video up in the general resources chat there was a analyzing studio ghibli yes the sky machine or oh, sky mm. not sky machine sky <laughs> haha um sky like the air flying machines and yes. and, and, and how airships yeah and airships stuff. and stuff and, and uh uh mm. miyazaki's fascination with them which i found yeah. really cool and ever since watching that video i've been like what is my fascination like mm. what am i always yeah right. writing about yeah, and, and wondering that but i don't think i will know until like my oeuvre is finished and people are able to maps look back on it linguistics Lots- yeah it's maps linguistics like those sorts of i guess this is coming back to what last week when we were talking about writing your interest yeah yeah we talked about yeah i don't know what mine are cosplay Cos- yeah. <laughs> identity i think would be a big one oh mm. yeah like, okay, that's interesting. I'm just thinking about some of the, the things that I know that you've done. And oh, identity yeah. is definitely a big one. What, what, how, what, what do you mean by that? Like, how does that matter? You have a queen in your world that we've met who is mm-hmm. always the same woman. It, like, oh, yeah. all of her children look identical. Yeah. In, and, like, in through my... the line, the lineage, there's a, a that's, curse. That's true. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's not a curse. Uh, they it, did it on purpose. Well, yeah. Yeah, in my, in my world... Sometimes curses are intentional. Uh, that's true. In, in my world, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, the the royal family put a, a spell on the females in their line because it's um, a queendom. Yeah. Um, that they would all look exactly the same. Yeah. And Hot as hell. <laughs> it's like yes. they were, like, ugly, but... But they're Fortunately, all very pretty. Yeah. Um, uh, pretty much because that means all the stamps and the coins are always accurate. And... Yeah, it was totally for no other reason than to save on printing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I don't know. It just it also just gives the people like um, that consistency. Yeah. You feel a bit safer when you. Oh, it's it's yeah huge propaganda mm. game. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, no, people would... The divine right of kings would be one million percent of forces. Like, well, I couldn't be queen. I don't look like that. I don't that. look like that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I'm not the... Like, it's... That's there would the be no queen. question. Yeah. There's no... Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting when you get into... um In, like, D&D games and stuff, where it's like there's inherent logic tied to the language and the culture, mm. where someone brings something up and it's like, you wouldn't know that, and it's really weirdly specific, but you wouldn't have a concept of, like, that sort of war. Yeah, totally. They wouldn't have a concept of the queen being anyone but this woman. Queen... Yeah means this woman here a big concept uh, that i always come up with in in D games is that in this pre-modern society war is fine yeah like war is is oh it's just a thing that needs to be done they have resources and we want them yeah which kind of ties into is that all you wanted to say about your tip yeah because so. it, it's sort of cool segue mm, into my tip it. um i've recently it's sort of come from um having an idea for a character that i've been talking to you about um who is this martial um, master who um, studies uh, an ancient he's a wood elf and he studies an ancient wood elven um, warrior um, who I have, like the text of that warrior, um, or he's a warrior general philosopher, um, who I have based off of Sun Tzu, who is an ancient Chinese philosopher general as well mm-hmm. who um, wrote The uh, Art of War The Art of War, That's yes, where most people are yes. From. Um, Sun Tzu's Art of War um, and it's like weirdly prescient to a lot of I tried to do some research. I'm like, surely this ancient Chinese military general is... I, I literally Googled, is Sun Tzu problematic? And couldn't find anything. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I was like, surely he's like the equivalent of Hitler Probably, or something like that. Right. But I can't find anything so seemingly cool. 
Nice. Except for being a warmonger. True. But he was cool about it. Because, okay. Yeah, so a lot of his philosophy is based around um, if you make mistakes, civilians die and that's bad. Mm. Um, war is something that is um, able to be best fought, not at all. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of his quotes are like, you know, the the best way to win a fight is to is by deception, is by misleading the enemy uh, so that they choose to not engage you. Yeah. Mm. Um, if you can win by defeating no enemies and just like recruiting them to your side, then you will win further battles. Yeah, and it's, best... it's like a steamrolling sort of effect. Yeah, the best way to win a fight is not to fight. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, he's He's got a lot of really cool quotes like that. But there was one in particular that I read and it um, gave me some cool ideas for like writing and running stories. So I'm just going to read it to myself and then come back in a second. Mm-hmm. That philosophy reminds me of um, Good Omens. It's like both angels and demons are like, no, there's going to be a war. But yeah. they're like, why don't we just not have a war? And they're like, but but we... then we won't win the war. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, which is, a, 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 I think it's the, that plot is probably toying with the archaic idea of a war. It's mm. like, well... A war is okay if you win. Yeah. You know, that sort of idea. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here is the quote. Yes. Um, It's sort of a longer one. Mm -hmm. Um, The good fighters of old first put themselves beyond the possibility of defeat and then waited for an opportunity of defeating the enemy. To secure ourselves against defeat lies in our own hands, but the opportunity of defeating the enemy is provided by the enemy himself. Thus, the good fighter is able to secure himself against defeat, but cannot make certain of defeating the enemy. Hence the saying, one may know how to conquer without being able to do it. Interestingly, what is that that sort of saying is that you've got a fight, right? Mm. And you've got a hundred warriors, they've got a hundred warriors. Yeah. It's an even battlefield. Mm. What's going to happen is just bloodshed. Yeah. You know? It's easy to work out, well, I have 110 warriors, I'm going to win. Mm. That math is simple. A good person in a, in a conflict works out the defenses. Um, okay, so they have, 100, they have 100 footmen, I have shields, mm-hmm. and I immediately win. Yeah. You know, they, they have, like, arrows and stuff like that. It, 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 it's, it falls um, blunt on our shields, or more complex, like, we have hills, we have the high ground, we have all of these di- things. Um, and the first thing that I thought was something that I've been toying with for a couple of weeks now is how to make interesting encounter design in D&D mm-hmm. and also how to um, shape up your conflicts. And this is like not just battles and wars. I think these are metaphors that can be applied to other areas of life. Yeah, yeah. Um, how to um, make... If we talk about the D&D aspect, okay, you've got the adventurers and you've got some goblins and mm-hmm. they're going to fight there's a CR rating that you can work out who's going to win. Mm. That's not interesting. I can do that myself as a player and go, mm. okay, I deal this much damage. I know how many hit points they have. Mm. I'm going to win. The interest comes in making the fight complex by shifting up defenses, by making the objective something other than victory. That's when things become diverse. So there's a section in this short story where it is a conflict, but it's not just an all-out fight. Because mm. as I was writing it... Um, I was like, oh, this is, you know, we were laying it out. And I was like, this needs to not just be, they have something, they want something, mm. they come take the something. Yeah. Because there is more intricate mechanics in here that take 
thought from the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. And it was very important, especially even in the conversation, that it wasn't just a back and forth. It wasn't just, give me this. No, I won't give you this. Okay, then I'll kill you. There had to be um, not unpredictability, but uh, the break of intention. Mm-hmm. And I think that still comes from like the, the Sun Tzu idea, the ideas that he lays out in The Art of War, that war, at its heart, war is deception. Um, that you are... Uh, there's a, there's another quote in there that I'm just remembering off the top of my head. Um, if you are close to the enemy, make him think that you are far away or appear as if you are far away. If you are far away from the enemy, appear as if you are close. Um, always seek to deceive the enemy and that is how you like find victory. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do in the conversation. It's like, oh, you think it's going this way? Here's something else. But not just for raw shock value mm. because that's how life is yeah it's Uh, yeah that's something i think i struggle with a lot of the time in my games people are just honest all the time yep because uh well planning to have people lie and stuff that's just another layer that sometimes is more difficult to plan out for sure but um yeah it just makes it more authentic yeah i think always having um moving pieces making sure that your stories and your games and uh, any like fiction that you have isn't doesn't feel like a video game you know yeah, where it's yeah, like yeah. this is the good side this is the bad side mm. which is one of the you know the precepts of this podcast mm. i wanted it to have um uh diverse structure and com- complexity and mm. all that good stuff mm-hmm. um hopefully that was achieved but yeah, yeah it, was, it was just really interesting that i've been yeah i've been reading through sun tzu to um, research this character who's going to be very much like by the book sort yeah. of like a like a, someone who reads the bible very literally but mm. it, this is his bible yeah, yeah. um to a, to a t to a fault mm. um which is very interesting to see like read it through and be like these are the metaphors that i think are cool and now i have to like think about in this character's perspective where he's like it's all cool brilliant like like those those paladins who who follow their code to the letter to yep. the point of offering their enemy a sword when they battle them so the duel is yeah equal. absolutely i don't know why but as you've been telling me this, an image has come to my head and it probably won't make any sense, but there might be someone listening who goes, oh yeah, that makes sense to me. I don't know. Anyway, but while you were saying that, the image has come to my mind of a room with a hole in one wall and another hole on the opposite wall and shooting a laser out of one so it goes into the hole on the other wall. Um, and that's just writing a, a, a plain finish to end story. The challenge is is clear and laid out and then sitting a mirror in front of that that path that the laser travels in and putting heaps of heaps of laser, uh, mirrors yeah. all around the place so the laser bounces off one mirror to another and jumps all over the room it still ends up going goes up ends up going through that hole that it was supposed to yeah but it i just the visual of it bouncing yeah, around absolutely. the room it makes a lot of sense makes a lot of sense to me all those different um challenges one of the a good example of, of the stuff that we're talking about here is um, I play a lot of, or lately I've been playing a lot of Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm. Legend of Zelda, um, and I have played so much of it that it's like the gameplay style is, is sort of innate in me and in how to be like victorious. I'm, I'm surprisingly good. I'm not very good at video games, but I'm surprisingly <laughs> good at it. Um, to the extent that my friend Leah was playing it, um, sorry to drag you, Leah, and there was this one moment where the game presented to her a path that went off and a branching path that went through this little like archway Mm -hmm. sort of thing so she went through the archway and a bunch of enemies were there and they just killed her Mm -hmm. whereas i saw that archway and went oh i have to climb up over that 
because the game wants me to go through that archway mm -hmm. and there's going to be a bunch of enemies in there that I know are too strong for me. Yeah. So I'm going to climb up and shoot them and then pick off the ones at the sides and like shift up the expectations. I can see what I'm supposed to do mm. and I'm going to subvert that because they're not expecting that. Your dungeon master's worst nightmare. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Actually, that's my favorite thing. <laughs> I'm not paying attention when people are doing what I expect them to do and the game isn't as good. That's fair, yeah. But when people are ex subverting my expectations, that's when the coolest stuff happens. That's why I don't plan... I, I prepare to improvise because mm. I assume like that's I've a had a lot of really it, cool yeah. yeah that's what I always say prepare to improvise don't don't bother over planning because mm -hmm. the players are going to get in there and either not intentionally but they're either going to think of something clever mm -hmm. they're going to assume that you have prepared way more than yeah. you actually have mm -hmm. or they're just not going to think of the things that you have yeah um, everyone's different mm -hmm. so having like tools to prepare to improvise like name lists and uh, ideas like a broader scope and just like a general understanding of satisfying gameplay and plot. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's how um, interesting conflicts come out from subversion of expect expectation. And that can be in fighting or in conversation, or, which is one and the same. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, oh, oh, it's another. I'll have to find the video so that we can link it. But it's about why Jackie Chan movies are interesting. And I think I've talked to you about it before. Yeah. But it's the essence is he like insists that his character is always at a disadvantage mm -hmm. so his hands are tied he doesn't have a weapon when everyone else does um he's on like rickety boards while everyone else is fine there's 30 dudes and he's alone mm. and it comes from the fact that not only is he succeeding but not perfectly yeah, yeah he's yeah. failing he's feeling pain um I, there's a patrick gill um polygon video about the the similarity between Jackie Chan movies and Luigi oh. in Luigi's Mansion because Luigi and Jackie Chan are both fallible heroes. Mm. They're always like, they punch a wall and instead of being like, oh, cool hero, it hurts their hand. And they're like, oh, Jesus. And oh, it makes, awesome. it grounds it in reality, mm. um, which I think is also, um, uh, I don't like Rick and Morty, but it's a precept of Rick and Morty that there is always, there are always consequences. Mm. Like someone falls off a building in one scene and it hurts their leg. It's always going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. that same event is always going to have the same outcome. Mm. Um, no matter, you know, cause that's how that's, it's comic verisimilitude. Um, you care because there is consistency. You know, once you realize that there's no consistency in a plot, you stop caring. Yeah. You know, either consciously or subconsciously. Mm -hmm. Um, so consistency is also important. That's another of our precepts. Um, anyway. Yeah, that's that's my lengthy explanation of my one tip yeah, that I we've have. We've kind of gone on a bit of a quite a few tangents. Good, this one. I like tangents. Tangents are fun. Yeah. Yeah. What else do we normally do? We just do tips. Now I'm real confused. And and those ones took a while as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Essentially, what this boils down to is to make an interesting interaction. It comes from not the action but the counteraction. That's nice. that's what interesting um, conflict yeah, is about. Definitely. Yeah. It's not about what you do, it's about what you do in return. I think that's good. Yeah, I think we've covered a lot of stuff. Yeah, nice. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I also just wanted to say quickly, if anyone has any ideas for resources to put into the general resources mm. um, thing, just you can just chat with us about it in the chat and I can probably We might be able to there. put it up if we Agreed. love it. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. So, yeah and yeah more world ideas even when we're not focusing on big trees we can always we're always 
free and happy to chat. Oh, 100%. If you guys are like, how does this work? Or what is that? That this was mentioned in one of the stories, but I don't know what it is. Can yeah. you explain it? And it's like, I oh, just, yeah, absolutely. I just love talking about this stuff. I was in, yeah. a, I was in a gaming shop this afternoon and I heard um, like two people talking about a game they were going to be playing shortly. And I just I just really wanted to jump in on the conversation. Mm. But like, that would be weird because I'd be yeah. eavesdropping. I always go to do that stuff if I hear someone. Like, if I'm like sitting at a table and someone's behind me talking about d and I'm like, you guys That's literally D&D? how we met. I was talking about d and It's true. Class. Yeah, you, yeah, you said. And after class, I was like, did you mention Dungeons & Dragons? And now we have a podcast. Yes. Friends. And that's, <laughs> it literally happened That's like the that. origin story. <laughs> Can you tell the tone of our friendship? Because it's always been consistent. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I think that's, yeah, that's everything we needed to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this was a fun episode. I agree. Yep. Thank you, Sweet. everyone, for listening. Yes. Goodbye. Goodbye. See you next time. Hear you. You hear us next time. What? I don't know. We're not going to see I... them. <laughs> How did you lie to them? Uh, so it took me a minute to process what you were saying. Thanks for listening. I'm sorry, there are chips over there. I'm distracted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, goodbye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.